0: Rock Rising is an artist-focused nonprofit organization. We rely on listeners like you to keep going. If you want to find out how you can support a show, an artist, or give to our 2021 organizational costs, please go to rockrising.org/slash donate. Thanks for listening. Okay. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 59, not 60. There were some, uh, yeah, there's some miscommunication earlier. We celebrated the 60th episode. It was awkward, but we're back. We have another special episode. Uh, Every episode is special, but it feels like they get specialer and specialer. Uh, As always, the guest, I'm going to ask uh, to introduce himself. And then after that, I'm going to try to go on your ride that you have, because with my knowledge of your work and also just what I've looked at to get ready for this episode, like there's so much. So I'm kind of going to leave it up to you. Ball, Ball will be in your court. Okay, here's the drum roll on my chest.
1: Hey, what's up? I'm
0: Josh. (laughs) Josh, for the people listening, because actually the only people watching this are me and you, Um, we're in different cities. Um, I kind of want listeners to be able to place you like visually and maybe on a map. So like, I guess two things, what city are you in and kind of give us a visual rundown of this really cool room that you're in?
1: yeah so my name is Josh McCausland. i'm uh I live in Chicago now I'm a former Chattanoogan that's how we all know each other hey um, this this room I'm in is is my 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 little uh, we have a two bedroom in Chicago so we sort of transformed the smaller second room into a studio slash office space so this is my my side of the room with my guitars and my keyboard behind me and I have a, a rack you can't see with some uh, synthesizers and stuff like that but
0: Yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah. Chattanooga. That's like our first point of connection, I guess you'd say. And we've had I guess our circles kind of overlap in several different areas. Maybe we'll get into that. But um, I'm very excited that you're here today. Thank you for being here and for being flexible. Uh, We are wearing the same we're wearing the same hat. I took mine off because it was getting itchy. But Chance the Rapper. Yeah. When did you uh, you like Chance?
1: big Chance fan, I, I found out about Chance in college. Actually, my one of my roommates showed me um Juice, his like video he filmed. Oh, yeah, in New York,
0: and yeah, I was,
1: like at then, like just sort of sold.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think my first introduction to him was acid rap, and I didn't understand what was going on. Um, speaking of not understanding what's going on, you, I think you're in a really cool position right now because you're doing so many things. And like, if I were to kind of give a bullet points of like what you are, what you do, which I'm going to ask you to do in a second, but if I were to do it, the list could seemingly go on and on and on and on. But what's cool about your presentation of everything you you do. And Julie said this before is like, it's, it's very, very clear. Like I go onto your Instagram, your multiple Instagrams and your website, and it's just engaging. It's very clear. There's no question as to what's going on. So I kind of want to get into who you are, what you do and like your process. Like you're very interesting. So what you, what do you do? We know your name. What do you do?
1: Yeah. So I do a lot of stuff and I've typically always said it's, uh, I know how to do a lot of things because I spend a, time, a lot of time alone. <laughs> um, but not in like, <laughs> a sort of like, not in a dark sense. It's just like, I, I, I try to learn a lot of things, but I guess I identify mostly as a filmmaker and music composer these days. And, uh, you sort of mentioned like, you know, you scroll through my web different websites and and different Instagram pages. I sort of try to compartmentalize them a little bit. So it doesn't feel like, um, I try not to have them overlap too much. Like if you go to the IQ flick site, it's about film video and there's one reference in the site to, you know, me doing music and you can go to the music page from there. But, uh, yeah, mostly these days and, um, since I'm not able to do a lot of film work because of, uh, the pandemic, I'm sort of reeling back in. And I think, you know, in the future, I think film scoring is going to be something that I'm going to be more geared towards looking to do. Um, so yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that, um, that's really cool. Um, especially in a, in times like this, it's very important, I guess you could say to have different options or verticals. One of my friends put it having different verticals as an artist, um, maybe any job but this this show is kind of about artists right but so as an artist you have many different ways that you could go if you know depending on the circumstance so i think it, that's it's really great that you've been able to continue working um but in terms of pre like pre-pandemic let's go even way before the, before that when you were a kid mm-hmm. what when, when, where do you think this started? Like, what was the first moment where you were like, oh, I, you know, I'm okay with spending time alone. It's not sad. And also, with that time and that space, I want to fill it with creative things. When did you kind of start that journey?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I can be fully transparent, you know, and, and say, like, as a kid, art was a, a thing that I felt called to and I felt um, a sense of safety within. So I'm, uh, my background is a, a studio artist. I drew up drawing, painting. Um, and I, my mom was a photographer. And so I always like wanted her, I wanted to do pictures, but then when I had her camera, I wanted them to move. So I would, you know, <laughs> I would just take a lot of film photos and she hated it because, <laughs> you know, developing film photos yeah. is a pain. So Um, Yeah, from from a kid, I still have all my sketchbooks from when I was a kid, but drawing was always my first love. And then uh, transitioning into high school, I picked up guitar um, and sort of, you know, music was music became this sort of cyclical backbone of everything I did. So I would do some music. It would inspire me to do like a short film. The short film would inspire me to want to do more music and sort of like that's how I've lived since then. And my career has taken all these weird uh like bumbles into where i am now but um it's kind of like this cyclical inspiration process between me doing music and film and photography and constantly trying to keep all those things in motion
0: yeah when projects can can birth and inspire other projects that's kind of the goal right there that's like kind of sinking into some sort of a flow state um but i guess before you found that one could feed off of the other um you said that art was, you felt a clear calling. So maybe it was clear that like what you were supposed to be doing with your time, but was it clear as a kid, what you wanted to say Mm. or were you just kind of, you know, you know, mirroring things around you or just drawing what, whatever, or were you as clear with your intention as the calling was clear to you?
1: Mm. That's a good question. I, I think, uh, Sort of when you're when you're going into something new, when you're being called into something new, you don't technically sometimes you don't necessarily know what it is that you're being called to say, but you know you're being called to do it. So I think, as a kid, um drawing and painting, and i I never really had an intention of doing anything from it, but I had an intention of becoming more tranquil through it. I had an intention of becoming more peaceful through it. So art for me was something as a young kid it didn't feel like I had to do it because I wanted to be better at drawing cups or trees or I needed to get a message out. It was more like I needed to do art in order to like make it through that day or to make it to the next day or to make it, to keep continuing like growing as a person. I was like, I need to do art. It's like, it it wasn't something I was like, oh, I really want to draw today. It was like, I need to draw today. I really need to do this in order to kind of like stay sane. Like art for me was a thing that, Uh, I kind of like, as a young kid, I always was like, this is kind of like a curse because I couldn't go a day without drawing. I couldn't go a week without drawing because for me, it gave me a purpose. It gave me like a sense of who I was.
0: Right. And I, I think that, you know, not just within art, but when you're, when you're choosing to spend your time doing anything that you feel drawn towards, like just drawn towards generally not in a positive or a negative sense there's this weird line that at least i toe where i'm like is this is this a healthy thing or is this something that is distracting me from if we had to say if we if we believed in fate or big callings is this distracting me from my big calling if there is one if i have one or is this part of it you know and i think that when you you know just hearing what you said and what art did for you as a kid, maybe has done for you the whole time is continuing to do. Those things are ultimately positive. And I think they, you know, if, if, if nothing else, it's the process of turning your soul inside out and you becoming clear with yourself about who you are and clear with others. So I think that's great. Um, was there ever a moment where you, not doubt it, maybe doubted or took a break or got tired of like, has there ever been a a moment in your life where you were like, you know what art is artist farts for a second? (laughs)
1: Um, uh, yes and no, I guess to a certain extent, I think from a young age, I knew, uh, that I was going to be an artist in some sense. Right. Uh, I think that along the way I definitely felt doubts. Um, but I think like I say yes and no, because like every artist experiences burnout, right? Like every artist experiences a point in their life where they're like, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? This actually means nothing. Um, But I think within those moments was when I found like my identity as a person is really rooted in me being an artist. And it's not like, for me, like, I don't, I, I don't want it to sound like I don't have an identity outside of an artist, but for me, like it was, if I take away that part of myself and say like, this is, this isn't, this is not real. This doesn't exist. Like then I sort of lose everything else around me. Like I, I don't know. I I think there was a point in college when I was super burnt out. I was traveling a lot for, like I was doing a show with A&E and um, I was just like, I came home and I remember sitting in my dorm and I was just like, this is stupid. I'm not meant to do this. Like I'm burnt out. What is the point of doing this? And that was when I started really digging into music you know, I was like this, this, hmm. like, this career I've chosen for myself as a photo videographer is like, it was becoming too much for me. And so then I started thinking to myself, like, well, how can I get like this cycle to restart again? And and I found another art form, a way to express myself.
0: So is that when you found music? So that was when
1: I started becoming comfortable considering myself as like doing music on the side. Cause I'd always, right. I'd done music. I'd played guitar since um, I was um, an early teenager and yeah. it was always something I was like very embarrassed about. I don't know, really know why um, I was just, I didn't share it. And then when that sort of happened, I was like, I became more confident. Like I can explore music as an artist. And also like, now I'm at a point in 2020, thankfully that I'm releasing music and I'm now becoming more comfortable and say like, I can do film and video and I can also be a musician on the side. Um, that was sort of a turning point for me where I was like, I can do music with my friends. I can like do studio work for my friends, hip hop records and play, like I can lay down some guitar. Like I've played guitar for years. So I just became more confident, like do, do guitar as something you love to do.
0: So what were some of the first like, uh, projects that you found yourself really kind of establishing your own footing in, in, in the music world, I guess
1: yeah um well so at the time i was in nashville i went to college in nashville um and i i was a videographer for sony for three years uh, in undergrad and
0: uh, what dude that's like one of the most baller sentences i've ever heard come out of a person's mouth
1: it was, it was pretty <laughs> awesome i mean I, I to be honest i sort of like i had a weird story i had a weird way of coming about it like just to give you a little background. So I got recruited to play soccer in Nashville. I was a big soccer player.
0: Okay. Another Um, cool sentence.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Okay. It was like a, uh, like sports for me was another way of like, I was a huge introvert. I think like to a sense, I was like a little bit like just, I was a very, I didn't like talking to people. My dad was like forced me to get out and to do sports and I ended up excelling at soccer. Um, and, but anyway, it brought me to Nashville and I got Uh, the school I went to didn't have a film or media department and so um, we randomly got a uh, I got connected my freshman year to Starstruck Studios which is Reba McIntyre's video studio in Nashville and um, I interned there for a year and then they sort of passed me off to Sony my sophomore year and was like hey this guy's looking to get into video can someone take him under their wing and I had some um, I did an internship with Sony for a year and then I just became a contract videographer with them my junior and senior year and basically what happened there is like we were i was like on a long list of people whenever someone needed a videographer so it was like you know if carrie underwood needed a grip or like taylor swift needed a grip or like like shelton needed somebody like they just kind of went down the list and whoever showed up like showed up so but like through that i I sat in with like a lot of studio artists during that time and
0: like yeah that was my question did you establish any relationships or you know create any cool moments
1: yeah. I mean, I, I don't, unfortunately I don't, I'm not super close with anybody anymore. Um, but at the time, um, it was really cool. Like there was a couple of guitars that like took me under the wing and was like, you can like, you could do this. And so there was some, there was a couple like sessions where I like, they asked me to put down the camera and they were like, do you want to like sit in and like record some guitar? And I was like, yes, I would love that. And then obviously like, it was very scary for me. Um, but when I started doing that, I was just kind of like, I can do this on the side. So that was sort of the moment that that clicked. And, and to get back to your original question, you asked me, you know, what were some of the projects that, yeah. you know, established myself and mean the most? I don't really think, like, the really impactful projects came until I moved to Chattanooga. Uh, Chattanooga was really, like, the city where I established myself as an artist, I feel like. I think that was really when the projects I started doing, I became, like, really proud
0: of. What, what is it about Chattanooga?
1: I don't know. It's, like, it's such a strange, beautiful hub of talented yeah. people, you know?
0: Yeah, in such a tucked away, beautiful pocket of of the United States.
1: Yeah, it's like something out of Lord of the Rings. There is like this beautiful, yeah. little, like hobbit hole of people who descended yeah. from like these these ancient wisdoms. <laughs> I don't really know how to explain it. <laughs> it's really meta, but like
0: they was- descended from ancient wisdoms and they're open to you know the new world. Yeah, more so than their neighboring counties and cities. Like you know. Chattanooga's it's very very special and you you mentioned you know the community of artists um down there and the i kind of want to get into that but before we do like you know speaking back to your relationships that you established through Sony and and stuff like that it's like i think every element of this artistic journey every step of the process is transient it's it in in kind of like you know it doesn't last um, and even the things that are not lasting can be more impactful than the things that stick around forever. And maybe even the, you know, the things that stick around forever, maybe they're not actually there all the time. So it's like, you know, this may be a little hippy dippy, but, um, I think you kind of are picking up what I'm laying down in it, in that you can't be precious about anything because, you know, when you, when you just kind of keep your eyes, your heart, if you're engaging in the community, if your eyes open, your mind open, you can continue moving through it all, as opposed to getting stuck in an idea. Like, you, you, you know, um, I think one of the reasons you have all these different Outlets and voices as an artist is because you're not you don't get stuck in an idea of yourself or at people's expectation of what you are stuff like that. So it's really really cool. But um, in Ch- and so Chattanooga I think is a really special place where people um, not not just the audience, not just like who Chattanooga is, but the community of artists is really good at allowing people to try new things and to be themselves. And it's a weird balance of we'll give you honest feedback because, you know, we're from the South. We'll kind of throw dirty, talk straight up a little bit. But we're also forward thinking slash we descended from the ancient gods. So we'll sit here and we'll listen to your new stuff and maybe we can resonate with some things that are just eternally true. That's that's a little much. But anyway, Chattanooga, what are some of the what are some of the things about Chattanooga that have that you take with you?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I don't think it's a little much at all. i mean, uh, and, and <laughs> to yeah, to stepping back a little bit to your, your earlier statement is, is really true. Like, um, my journey was very much this like process of being curious. I think that was what like fired me, right. That like kept me going was like, I was a videographer photographer, but in that it's not like a box that I have to live in. You know, I became curious about all these other aspects and The more I like pursued those, the more I grew. And so when I got to Chattanooga, Chattanooga was the first place I'd lived at where I was surrounded by so many people of different mediums of art to where like, if I wanted to do a music video for somebody, I knew, you know, a whole batch of people in Chattanooga who always needed help with music videos. So I'd reach out to them. If I wanted to do a music project myself, I knew other friends who would help me and support me. And it was the first place where I could like come to somebody and say, hey, I've um i have a project i want to do it's really personal and it's going to like hurt a lot doing it but i need your help and i had a group of people just be like dude how do we do that you know and and there was the first time where people like i felt like i had like a family of art, like artists around me that were wanted to see me do good and i wanted to do good and we were constantly inspired by each other
0: so as an artist what do you think you know i like to imagine us as being these like weird pioneer explorers that we're constantly building slash maintaining a toolkit that we kind of take with us as we are making our name, you know, on things or just, you know, using our voice here or there, whatever it is. What would you say Chattanooga gave you that, you know, you have now even while you're in Chicago? Mm. (laughs) Hmm. I, um, that's a good, maybe, and I, thanks, thanks. But the, I guess the reason I'm asking this for people that don't have any connection to Chattanooga is to, to just keep in mind that places can be special without you being there as an artist, as a person. So that's why, you know, that's why I asked you.
1: Yeah, no, that's a, it's a really, it's an interesting question. Um, I think the first thing that my brain resonant resonates to is, is confidence. Um, I think uh, for me, I've always uh, been like very humble, very timid. Um, I sort of do things on the on the back burner and, and enjoy them and I move on. Whereas like Chattanooga um, and the people there really like m- gave me a sense of being and sort of helped me grow in confidence. So now in Chicago, like what I've taken with me is like these people supported me for, for years and they helped me grow and now i'm kind of like really thankful because i now know what it looks like to be encouraged and be confident to keep pursuing the things that i want to pursue because it helped give me that sense of confidence that i didn't have before
0: right right that's so cool um so like what are i guess what were some of the um those those music projects like the first music projects that you released I guess with this confidence, maybe it was while you were developing it, but what were some of these first music projects that you really started to reach for and, and execute?
1: Yeah. So, um, one of the biggest ones in, um, in Chattanooga in particular was it's actually over my shoulder. There was a film I did called chaos theory. Um, and, uh, it was, uh, this, this combination of Chattanooga artists who I kind of, I kind of very vulnerably came to friends of mine and were like, Hey, I just got through a really toxic relationship, um, and I want to do a film about it. And so, I did a bunch of music. And actually, one of um, one of my favorite people on the earth, Carl Cadwell. He, uh, I came oh, to him. Oh, I like came to me him, some Carl. I came to him with the project, and I, it was like really raw and early. And I barely knew him at the time. And I worked mm-hmm. on the project, and he was just like, "This is great." Like this is, and, and he ended up being in the film, and we did like a track together on it. Um, oh, cool! But uh, I want to watch this. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a fun, fun watch.
0: <laughs> okay. So speaking of toxic relationships, toxicity, hey, yeah, kind of the vibes that I'm really not getting from you, <laughs> but I do. But when I, when I interact with your music, there's a lot of stuff that like makes me uncomfortable and it's not necessarily toxic, but it's like, wow, you really go there. Um, like I don't know the exact. I, I forget the title of it. Um, discerning, oh, rational, um, ration, Yeah, rationalization. And then the the write up that Johnny Kate did, which mm-hmm. I also know Johnny Kate. Uh, he, I think he's great. He's his use of words, his pers- his character, his personality, everything about he's a legend. He's literally a legend. But what he wrote <laughs> was no exception. I think it was the words really, really because I read it after watching and listening Mm. Um, so everything from the music the animation to johnny kate's words about it it really hit a point for me where it's like you do wonder when you hear stuff like this you do wonder where you will go or where you've been to discover these sounds or these feelings or whatever it is that you're trying to communicate so like from hearing that to hearing about chaos theory being about a toxic relationship and then but having this conversation with you and seeing who you are i guess i just kind of want to ask mm-hmm. how do you go to these places and come out you know positive <laughs> at least seemingly positive or um not fearful cuz i think one thing that really comes through in in some of your stuff is like yo life can be scary you know especially if you're as your awareness grows, it all becomes a little more and more scary. But what's important is that we, you said it earlier, keep moving, keep going forward.
1: Yeah, I think we are like physical embodiments of the things that we've overcome. So I think, uh, you know, for me, projects like Chaos Theory, I was going to get into Anamnesis as well. That's another project I did. But you bring up Fearful Continuity and Fearful Continuity is like, most recently, like very close to my heart, like that project was Everything I've done as an artist, for the most part, I try to do things that, um, things I personally have gone through. And I think putting my heart and soul into things gives a sense of uh, integrity. And it gives you like, for, for me, like going to these dark places is, is it goes and it harkens back to when I was a kid. You know, like the things I drew, they were, they I was, I may have been drawing a cup or I may have been drawing a tree or, but now I'm able to actually like take the things I've gone through, put them into a form that, it, it it feels good and it gets me through it. And then at the end of it, I can say like uh, everything I've done, it's almost like a journal to something that happened in my life. So these projects I do, I can look back and say like, I can share this with somebody who's gone through something similar and then we can have a conversation. So most of my projects, I want it to be a gateway for it. it part of it is selfish because I do want to get through something, but it's also like I can send my projects to someone who's going through something and say like, hey, maybe we can talk about it. Maybe we can help each other.
0: Yes, 100%. And I think that that's the, kind of the ultimate goal. You know, even if, even if that translates as sharing a laugh, you know, it doesn't always have to be deep and complex, but with what you do and with what you just said, I think that that is the goal for what we do. Because if, if it is just, if it's all inside, if it's all insular and it's just for ourselves and if it's just helping us, I get to a point where I'm like, what good is well then what am I what am I spending my this time on? It's a it's a pastime mm-hmm. as opposed to using the time now. Mm-hmm. Um and making what we what we feel like functional in the you know, when form meets function. That that sparks me up more than most things. So to see you do it is is really, really cool. And it makes me think like In wanting to communicate more, we have to expand our empathy, our awareness, our abilities. So for you, you said that you first turned to kind of guitar and some guitars took you under their wing, but listening to your music and where it is now, I hear a lot more and sometimes I don't hear any uh, more than guitar and sometimes I don't hear any guitar. So Mm -hmm. kind of how did that happen? How'd you go from guitar to just full soundscaping?
1: Yeah, I mean, so the more I developed as, as a filmmaker, the more I, I grew to, to love the scores of film almost more. Um, and so I sort of, um, my senior year in college was like, I want to get into film scoring one day. I want to learn how to play piano. I want to learn how to like arrange. Um, and I didn't know how to do music at all at the time. I mean, I knew how to play guitar, but um, it wasn't until I really like um, got through chaos theory and um, started like learning and studying music theory a little bit. Um, cause I didn't, I haven't, I don't have any background in in music technically. Um, sort of like I just do things by ear and, um, for the Mm -hmm. most part they sound okay, but I'm still something I'm learning is I want to learn more. Um,
0: but you work with other people. Do I No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the reason I ask is just cause there's nothing you say, like I'm not trained Mm -hmm. and usually you can hear like, when the person says that and then you listen to their music, you're like, oh, okay. I, you know, I see what you're saying, but like, maybe it's technology and where w- the tools that we have available to us, maybe it's just who you are as an individual, but um, it it feels very natural. And I think it's almost to the point where it's like that we're living in a world where maybe you don't even need the, the, the background in it, mm-hmm. you know, because I started studying music and that kind of turned me off to... Continuing it, so I think the fact that you found it and you learned it in your own way—that's that's the education yeah. that that you know we need to find for ourselves. I think
1: my uh, my girlfriend's mom is is like when I, I want to learn to play piano better, and her, you know she was like, "My mom can teach you because my mom taught me." And um, her my girlfriend's aunt is like a like genius, like a piano genius, and, and so. But when I asked her mom, like I want to learn more, her mom was kind of like, "Don't take lessons, like you're doing." all this stuff by ear whereas like if you learn you might not be able to do what you're doing so and i just want to like harken back a little bit to your question about guitar um so i did take i did take a side route and i i really i you know my friend and i eric setterland we started signal mountain which is our ambient band uh and when i met eric he was out yeah, man, I'm all about my friends, man. I love the people I'm surrounded with. Um,
0: oh, also, I was I'm in mean, Signal Mountain, which could oh, yeah. could be one of your friends if you love the the mountain.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a Signal Mountain in Chattanooga. Yeah.
0: We, Rock Rising's named after Lookout.
1: Wow. There you go.
0: Okay, but keep going because this question I'm really interested in your answer.
1: Well, I mean, once we did Signal Mountain, Eric, yeah, uh, Eric sort of encouraged me to. He just was all about no rules he was like uh he he's really in synthesis so he was all like i don't want it to be super like don't do too much let's hold one note for a minute let's hold two notes for a minute you know um and so after we did our project he like it helped me grow as an artist and, and fearful continuity was definitely me hearkening back to wanting to do more signal mountain work and then now i'm uh all, all the while i'm doing all this like piano ambient music i'm still doing guitar i still record for Friends Records, I do like um, a lot of behind the scenes producing for Friends and stuff. But I record and release guitar music under my side name now, which is Cosland. And so I do all of my like blues, jazz work under, under that name now. Cause I don't really want to oh. blend the waters too much, you know. Cause if I yeah. want to get into like film scoring, I don't necessarily want to, to blend too much of the sound. So I decided to create a side moniker specifically just for my guitar work.
0: Where would you say your musical inspiration comes from? For me, it's like, I I kind of try to use my memories, my childhood memories, and whether or not it's like going to a time machine to that specific memory or just the vibe of it. That's kind of what keeps me going if I ever feel empty. Do you have anything like that?
1: Yeah, I, I have so many inspirations. I mean, like I could, like Niels Fromm is probably my biggest inspiration these days. Um, Trent Reznor is one of my heroes, uh, like Thomas Newman, um, a big, um, I was a huge BB King fan growing up. I mean, the guy changed the way I thought about guitar. Um, Stevie Ray Vaughn, he was he an was inspiration yeah. as
0: well. BB King, um, for me is like, is actually psychedelic. Mm-hmm. Like his music is just so it, it takes you on a trip. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's cool. Cause like, you know the the name the names that I know that you just listed. I can hear those influences. Um, your your music is kind of trippy too, honestly, um, because you can listen to it over and over again and and think about or hear different things. You know, your relationship to it can be. Totally different each time whereas there are certain bops where I play them, and it's like, oh, I know exactly what I'm gonna get, and it makes me feel the same way each time I like that too mm-hmm. but I like I like the um, chameleon like aspect of these types of musicians mm-hmm. it's really it's really, really cool okay so what are your what are you what's if you had to make a Mount Rushmore mm-hmm. and the faces on that maybe they're actual faces of artists that you've met along the way or projects that you've done, what would you, what would make your Mount Rushmore? It doesn't have to be just five.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh, well, so I think,
0: or four, sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. I think um, I could save the projects so far. Um, I can only, I can only probably think of like pinnacle projects would probably be for me. Signal Mountain was, has been a huge project for me. Just of importance, Anamnesis, the film I did a um, cup in twenty eighteen. That one. It's a
0: beautiful cover.
1: Oh, thanks. Yeah, that one. After doing Anamnesis, I felt the most reassured I probably ever have. I mean, and I didn't have like a huge reception, but the people. Why is that? Um,
0: so it was personal. Not the reception. Like, why did you feel that way about it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was just so personal. I mean, it was uh, just quickly. It was a story about Alzheimer's and how it affects this man and and he's got late onset, late onset Alzheimer's. And it's a story about my grandpa and my grandma. So it's their story about my grandma passing away and forgetting my grandmother. And the film is, is so sad and it's so hard to watch even now for me. But, uh, I remember like the feeling on set, like I had, I, I produced it, I scored it, I directed it and being on set and having all these people as cast and crew we had, I, you know, was in a, um, we were in a cafeteria for um, a, a center for Alzheimer's. And we, I, was, I was standing there on set just like, this is happening. And like, I remember we did, it was basically like a ballet almost, it was all one take. It was uh, like a 20 minute one take and everything had to be perfect. We almost did it like a theater show. And after the first take we did and it ends and I say cut, like everyone's crying. Like people are like really feeling it. Like people were really feeling that story and after we premiered it and um, we did like a QA and a with, you know, the community and the, and the Alzheimer's association sponsored the event. And it basically was all the money that we'd raised for the film. I wanted to pour back into the association. And just after that night, like after I had this Q&A of people asking me questions about my story and me asking, you know, I had a board of doctors with me too. Cause I was like, I don't want this just to be like a QA and a about me. I want people who to ask people who know much more than I do. And it was like, it was really impactful i mean it was it was the film wasn't about me i mean it was about my grandparents story but for me it, it was really like humbling for me to be able to tell the story and to have people come to me and say like i experienced this like i experienced my grandpa experienced this. my my husband experienced this i am experiencing this now and to have people like so moved by it i like i remember going home that night and i i did i like cried i was i was really like this feels good and i the the nail in the coffin for me was like, I premiered it in Cincinnati to my family. I did a private screening for my, my dad's side and my mom's side and just like seeing my father cry. Cause it was his dad and seeing my brother, my brother cry. My brother doesn't, he's not really a crier, you know, and him mm. coming up to me and just saying like, this is so good. And I was like, man, like I did something. I really did something good. And, uh, yeah, it felt really impactful for me.
0: As a as an artist, I think it's really helpful um, for the soul to have that bouncing board, that litmus test of is this doing anything? You know, <laughs> like, is this, does this make any sense at all? It does, is this striking an emotional chord in any way? Like, is this impactful? And if, A, if you can have that community at all, at any level, that's beautiful and amazing. And I hope that all artists out there find that. But if, also be that community can include some of your family members. I think that that's like one of the most fortunate situations to, to be in because a lot of people, I think, don't have the support of their family because growing up, for me, there was an expectation of that's what families do. But I think the reality of it is we're all you know we're all going through it we're all going through our own experiences and some of some of the times we can link up and share that and some of the times we can't so the fact that you know you mentioned your brother who it doesn't really you know leak tears kind of got him going a little bit like that's it's it's not a victory because quote unquote you made your brother cry but it's a victory because that those tears are kind of a symbolic of a of a connection so it's like uh, Do you want to speak on that at all On having a community of people that like, you know, help you with your work?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, having a community of people who are emotionally intelligent and also like willing to go there with you. I, I mean, a lot of my closest friends, they know how deep I like to get with my work. But yeah. they also know like I am the biggest goofball in the world. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And and so like and people who don't know me, they tend to be like really surprised when I send them my work. Um, because I'm super goofy. And I'm um but having a community of people around me who are like I can tell you most of my friends who are the darkest, deepest people are the funniest people I know. Um and so like I will say too, like humor is a huge thing for me as an artist. And um, people in my life who are like able to like go there and we can like cry together. We can talk about things. We can like complain. We can, we can re- like laugh and rejoice at the same time. And we can experience emotion together as people. I think that's really important and right. having a community that is just real and not like, let's not do the surface level stuff. Let's not like, sh- let's not small talk. Like, that's just like, if we're going to laugh, let's really laugh. If let's, if we're going to cry, let's like really go there with each other Right. I support you. Can you support me? Can we just like, I think it's really just being genuine with each other is really important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, Oh, sorry. Were there any other Mount Rushmore's that was all because of, yeah. yeah that, okay. So any more Mount Rushmore's? Um, I think
1: at this point in my life, anamnesis is, is I, cause I, I, I don't want to say I've achieved like too much yet. You know I mean? I think I'm still growing. Um, I think I've, I've got a lot of growing to do still. Um, but I, right. I I think I might put Fearful Continuity up there too um, because Fearful Continuity was a project for me. Uh, <clears throat> so when I wanted to get into composing, I started learning piano. Um, but I I kind of gave up on learning piano and just started playing piano where like mm-hmm. I would literally sit and press record and I'd have hours worth of just me just doodling around on piano until I got something. And that's where all my opus pieces came from was just me oh, cool. pressing record and having like hours worth of recordings and just cutting to the one section that I liked the most, and they ended up becoming opus pieces. And Fearful Continuity was basically this exploration of doodling around on piano, joining Signal Mountain, and learning ambient like modular technology. And I sort of, the whole album goes from being more analog to digital, back to analog at the end with piano. Oh, cool. So it's just this exploration of me going, and even the title, Fearful Continuity, is going to a new place, being scared, of, you know, because when you're learning new things in music and art or anything, it's a little bit scary. But once you like fight through it, you end up you end up achieving something and then you have to go to a new place and be scared to make mistakes. But you have to continue on.
0: Right. It doesn't make it doesn't make the continuity any less fearful. Exactly. Right. That's beautiful. I can't wait to listen. You released this in 2020.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was this year. Yeah.
0: Big congrats. Thank you. Anyone who's releasing anything in 2020, I'm just like, oh, (laughs) nice work. Like, it's really hard. Production's really, really hard, I think, right now. Because even though, you know, you say you you work alone a lot, you spend time alone a lot, you know, it's like the way of living is so different. So the fact that people, you know, the fearful continuity of making things, Mm -hmm. you know, just bravo to you congrats oh
1: thanks man it's uh yeah about
0: i love the artwork for fearful continuity that those the line work on it had me feeling away and then when i clicked into it and saw that it was uh designed by a tattoo Mm -hmm. artist i was like oh well that that makes sense yeah because they look like tattoo lines
1: yeah he did a great job he uh super talented guy
0: do you have any tattoos would you ever get that tatted you know what? I
1: don't have any tattoos, but that's, I think if I did get a tattoo, that might be a good one to start with.
0: <laughs> Dude, it would be really sick. Um, and if you don't get it, I might. Well, I got to listen first and then I might get it.
1: Yeah, do it. Yeah.
0: I love, I, I genuinely love the, uh, everyone who's, if you're listening right now and you've made it this far in this episode, you need to look this up on, what is it? Spotify title, all the things. All the things. Yeah. Yeah. Fearful Continuity. Look it up. Look at the album cover judge the book by its cover and then dive right in because that's what you're going to want to do. Um, also discerning rationalization is a really cool YouTube video. If you had to put like kind of things right now that people could go immediately sit down and, and watch or listen to, what would be, what would make your short list?
1: Um, of tracks I've done to just put tracks. That, you've yeah.
0: done videos you've made, whatever it is.
1: I'd say to get like an understanding of, a quick understanding of me, um, I would just check out um, my Opus pieces on um, streaming services. So if you just look up Josh McCoslin, you, you'll see if you if you're on any platform, you'll see anything that says Opus on it is just a piano solo, and that'll give you an idea of my piano work. And uh, Fearful Continuity is a great one. I would say within Fearful Continuity, there's two tracks in particular um, that are my favorite. I've heard from a lot of different people what their favorite were favorites were, but um, there's two tracks on there that I'm, as myself, trying to get more into film scoring. There's two that I uh, Oh, wait, can you, uh, well, you haven't heard it. I was going to say there's two, um, Searching Through the Rubble and um, uh, um, what is it called? The Town Called, um, oh, I'm only forgetting The Town name.
0: Called Dismal. Dis-Dismal.
1: Yeah, a Town Called Dismal. Those are two like very cinematic pieces that I'm um, trying to, I'm trying to build a style as a composer. So I think those were two, two uh, um, attempts at that.
0: That's really cool. And I like the placement of them in the album. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, my, my favorite tracks tend to be what I think of as the turning, kind of like the defining moments in the album. And they usually come like maybe around track, you know, a quarter of the way through and then a quarter of the way from the finish.
1: Yep. Okay. Um, at least for me. That was the, uh, the goal there. Yeah, you, oh, really? You got it. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. I, that's how wow. I listen to them too. I listen to albums that way as well. Because you know, like the gems are hidden in there
0: right exactly yeah. the gyms that are kind of like the foundation of the whole thing mm-hmm. um yeah for at least you know for making an album right that's yeah um anyway don't do i may be mistaken but you you have something coming out soon right i do yeah
1: i'm actually so i was in sort of a um how do i put
0: this uh I was toxic relationship. Number two.
1: No, no, not at all. Okay. I'm in a super happy relationship. Yuri, okay. my friend is the best shout out to Yuri. She's so cool. Um, she's the best. Um, but no, I was in a, a like kind of a bad, um, I don't want to say bad. I was in a label deal and I was sort of stuck, uh, and I couldn't release anything for a while. So it ended in November. So I'm kind of, I've had projects sitting around for a while. I'm, and I'm going to be rolling out new things each month for a while. Hmm. So. because
0: of this kind of newfound freedom liberation
1: yeah yeah so i've got uh, a lot of i have four collab tracks coming up with rent like friends of mine that we're all releasing um i have an album coming out in december 15th um it's called fortran it's something i've been sitting on for a long time fortran was the
0: fortran
1: yeah f-o-r sounds a lot like 4 It does sound like 4chan. No, it's a a harken back to Fortran was one of the first languages invented by IBM. Um, And so the album, each track is a different name of code. And so the album sort of explores what it would feel like being part of that code. And I've got a really cool music video that I did some projection mapping for.
0: Um, Whoa, that sounds crazy.
1: Yeah, it's pretty, pretty, it's it's definitely one of the least like emotional projects for me. It's just fun. Like it's fun. Yeah. To kind of like one of the tracks is called, there's a couple errors in there and those tracks sound like. like <laughs> <getting real. laughs>
0: I love it. I love it. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. So just to write off of this real quick, and this is kind of like the last thing I have to say, and then I'll open the floor to you to say anything you want. But, um, you know, what you just said about, Having this kind of newfound freedom and liberation, uh, because you you had a label deal that you kind of found yourself moving past. That and not to go, not to force the full circle thing, but the fear that goes back to fearful continuity for me, because I found myself in a position where I was being held back, not only in actual real life opportunities, but in my mind. I was being held back by representation, mm-hmm. and this is not a pity is not a moment to throw a pity party it's just a moment for for anyone out there listening who may need this nudge or this encouragement to go on to continue in, in and it's not easy it may you may be full of fear, but sometimes letting go of the very things that you think are anchoring you or that are helping you and and you've found out maybe they're not like letting go may be scary, but it's it maybe not just what you need. Cause, cause like you already said, some of your films and your music people resonate with and you connect with them over. So it's like you may be holding back what other people need from you. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm just throwing that out there. I could be forcing that, but you know, your, your stuff, your work in impacts people. And if you, if you're in a position where you're being held back and doing that, you know, there's a moment, there's a, there's an option there. You don't have to be stuck.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's really, really easy to become an overthinker as an artist. And I think it's really easy to sort of think um, for, for me or, or like in the past, like you, you think, okay, I've got something. I want, it to, I want it to be the best it possibly can be, right? We all want yeah. our work to be the best it possibly can be. But I think the important thing is growing, learning and moving on. And so, you know, you spend a year or something working on a project. And let's say you want to work with a label which i encourage people to do um 100 and but if you do find yourself getting sort of stuck in deals or getting stuck in things be patient and like um for me like if i put something out like fearful continuity for instance i put it out it didn't really do the best but for me like i got it out and i moved on and i move now we're moving forward i think that's important right for people to understand right. like if you do a project like it's really important to get it out into the world. It's really important to learn from it. And if it doesn't do as well as the numbers show, the numbers don't mean anything. Like you grew from it. I think that's like such an important thing. And we're sort of dictated by numbers these days, you know, like how many books you have, how many streams you get, all that stuff is like, it's good to get it. But, and I don't want to be on a soapbox or anything, but I have some friends who get really like down, you know, and it's more like,
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, one of the, not to interject, but one of the earlier episodes, um, I was talking to a visual artist, he's a painter, mm-hmm. and he was Felix Morello. He was talking about how he has all these paintings sitting in his house or sitting in the workshop that he's that he wants to sell, and he's not painting until he can sell them because he just can't, like he's just literally burdened by them. They're heavy. Yeah. And I start, you know, that got me thinking about my own stuff, my own process, and it's like finishing things is important, and we can get so hung up on them what us wanting them to be perfect or us wanting them to be, you know, seen by these types of people or that type, you know, it's like actually your job is to do the thing and to get it out. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And and, and that is a serious, that's a serious work, but in, in doing that you actually need to not be so serious. You can't take yourself so seriously. Uh, So yeah. Anyway, thank you. Is there anything that we missed anything that we didn't finish? Is there anything you want to say?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, um, oh, I appreciate the opportunity first and foremost. Like, thanks for having me on. It's like an honor that you would uh, want to have me on, so I appreciate it. It's an
0: honor for me, so I appreciate those words and this episode. Thank you. Um,
1: get out of here, yeah, just get out of here.
0: No, I get it. No, it's just end it. Uh, no, please yeah. keep going.
1: I was just, I don't, I don't really, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think like it's, it's, um, it's really important to like, I don't know what I'm, I do not know how to put it. Sorry. Um, I guess like I've had some friends, you know, people, people often say like you do so much, like, how do you, how do you, where, where's the inspiration from? How do you keep going? Like stuff like that. And I think like, I want to like, to my friends and I've told my friends, but to other people, like, it's really, like, I can't emphasize enough like the importance of being genuine and the importance of doing what you want to do and, and really like diving into what matters. So if you're a musician or a painter or a visual artist, just like stop trying to get overwhelmed with doing the best possible work you possibly can do and just do it. Like I learned so much in my life from just doing, like there was moments in my life where someone was like, hey, I'll pay you a hundred dollars to do this animation. Can you do it? And I had no idea how to do it. And I just did it. And <laughs> then you you know, you, you're paying a broke college student $100 for a hundred bucks for video and if they do a good job, Great. If they don't, you paid them a hundred bucks. So, like, I think that that's it's It resonates in everything. Like, if just do what you. If you want to do something, just do it.
0: I have a tattoo because I got to a point in my life where I was getting stuck in that loop cycle, that thought cycle of like, I wanted to be the best. It's not the best. It needs more work. I'll let it sit. You know, I got a tattoo. It just says, "Then do it." You know just then, just do it but i didn't want to say just do it because that's nike. nike yeah um right. but yeah but you know um i couldn't agree more thank you so much yeah hopefully this is the first of some more
1: yeah 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 i would love to yeah know. i mean i really appreciate the time and i mean yeah i would say if you i would love your thoughts later if you want to reach out to me whatever. but i'd love to know what you think about the album when you finish
0: it 100% I will reach out. Yeah. Um let's exchange personal info after the episode. Yeah, you know. But I'm putting it on the episode so that listeners feel FOMO. Yeah, totally. You, yeah, 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 You can
1: give him like a fake number if you want, like a friend's number or something.
0: <laughs> we could give him a fake number. Yeah, give him in Carl's the uh, number. in the episode, in <laughs> the episode notes. Oh, Carl would Carl would love it. <laughs> um okay, but yeah, don't text Carl unless it's after 8. I learned that about him uh all right thank you so much josh i'm gonna listen anyone listening to this you should listen as well get caught up on fearful continuity because the journey is continuing there's there's new stuff coming out um have a great rest of the day we're gonna end it here but don't actually hang up because we'll say um bye as real humans okay but let's say bye for the podcast bye 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 thank you so much bye <laughs> Looking for Artists is a Rock Rising podcast. Learn more about us on Instagram at Inc. That's R-O-C-K-R-I-S-I-N-G-I-N-C. Looking for Artists is available anywhere you podcast.